The following program contains adult content. It is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. This content is not safe for work. If you are a pearl clutcher, a prude, or a pious type, just don't listen. Welcome to There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize that there are no nice guys. I am your host, Laura Coronado. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for listening to There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize there are no nice guys. As I say in the intro, my name is Laura Coronado, and I am your host, and thanks for joining me today. This is episode 15, and we are talking about something that I've brought up several times, breaking up during a pandemic. I hate to tell you I told you so, but, well, no, that's a lie. I love to say I told you so. I told you this was going to fucking happen. Since the pandemic began, I've received so many messages about breakups and divorces from various women. Some just letting me know, hey, you were right. It's happening. Others asking for advice. My next guest is one of the latter. She came to me asking for advice about going through this breakup. Now, Breaking up is hard already. Divorce is hard already. I can't even fucking imagine what it's like doing that during a goddamn pandemic, global pandemic. And then there's all the economic shit that we're having to go through as well. Like there's way too much fucking stress as it is. And then on top of that, now you have to experience the dissolution of your marriage or of your relationship. I mean, that sucks. I got divorced five years ago. I am so glad it happened when it did. I mean, it was already a stressful time in my life. I, I don't, I'm not know that I'm equipped to handle a divorce or breakup during a global pandemic. So salute to all of you who've been going through this and surviving it, thriving through it, perhaps. Um, I urge you to listen closely to my friend, Elizabeth, as she tells her story, one, she's very raw and she allows herself to be vulnerable and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And I appreciate her for doing that Two, her story kind of starts to change, change in the sense that she talks about her breakup and yes, it sucks and it's sad, but then she offers up how there is some light at the end of her fucking tunnel. She starts to sort of lighten up and you can sense her optimism. And she talks about how she doesn't just feel like she has an ending. She sees a new beginning. And that's what you need to focus on. It's like the old proverb says, one door closes and other one opens. So if you're going through a breakup or divorce during this pandemic, or maybe you just went through it, Really listen closely because I believe that Elizabeth, she wasn't even trying to, she's just conveying her story, but she gives us hope. She gives us a sense that there is a light at the end of the breakup tunnel. So again, thanks for joining me and thanks for listening. And let's listen to Elizabeth tell her story of breaking up during a pandemic. 
You're listening to There Are No Nice Guys, a podcast about divorce, dating, sex, and what happens when single women realize there are no nice guys. My name is Laura Coronado, and I am your host, and thank you for joining me. We're talking today about breaking up. Specifically, we're talking about breaking up during a fucking pandemic, as if that isn't stressful enough. Um, Since the pandemic began, um, not too surprisingly, I guess, I've I've received a couple handful of messages from women that I know, um, either through social media, some on Facebook, some on Instagram, some on Twitter, uh, text messages and emails from women reaching out to me to talk about the fact that they're going through a breakup. And it's just like we predicted. It's just like we talked about in season one. Breakups are going to be happening during this pandemic. And one of those women that reached out to me is my friend Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth and I used to work together several, several years ago at the sex toy company that I've talked about before. And we've remained friends, but we haven't really kept in touch other than social media. Um, And then she reached out to me recently to say to me, you know, I'm breaking up. Remember that guy that I was seeing when we were working together and you were married? Well, now I'm going through a breakup. Got any advice? And tried to advise her as much as I could. um, But of course, I don't know what it's like to break up during a pandemic. And I would imagine that adds a whole new layer of fuckery to the entire ordeal. So I wanted to bring Elizabeth on to talk about her breakup. And of course, every breakup is different. Every relationship is different. But I imagine that there's a lot of you listening who are either contemplating a breakup or going through one yourself. Um, If you're married, it's very possible that you're still living with this person and you're waiting for the courts to open back up so that you can actually process your divorce. Um, I can't even imagine how stressful that is. So I want you to just sort of take in what Elizabeth had to say about her breakup. Understand that you're not alone. You're one of so many women going through this right now. And again, while every single breakup is different, the emotions, the impact, the confusion, the disappointment, the bitterness, all that shit that comes with it, it's all the same. We all feel the same. So... Let's talk to Elizabeth and let's get some insight into what breaking up during a pandemic is like. Thank you, Elizabeth, for being here. Great. Thank you for inviting me. Appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad that you took some time out of your day to come. Um, It's so nice to connect with you again. I'm sorry to connect with you under these circumstances. But I'm glad you reached out and um, wanted to talk about what you're going through. Um, Now, when we were working together and you were with this guy, were you living together then or were you guys just dating? We were living together. Um, we were together about 12 years total. And 12 years. Um, things started off great. And I actually moved in with him after about six months. Wow. Yeah. I remember when y'all were together, when, when you and I worked together and when I was married, um, he was, he seemed like very much the doting type of boyfriend. I remember you would get flowers, like maybe on your birthday or whatever special occasion it might've been. And sometimes you'd go have lunch with him. So it seemed like a perfectly happy, healthy relationship. Yeah. And, when, and it was, um, mm-hmm. it was for, you know, for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there were definitely some ups and downs, um, you know, um, I'm trying to think, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> okay. no, there were, there were definitely, you know, some ups and downs. I would say probably the first five or six years or so things were great. Um, and then, then we started kind of having ups and downs. Um, mm-hmm. we, 
were able to work through them pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't until probably the last two years, though, that um, we kind of fell into this mode where it was more like we were, were roommates, not so much romantic partners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, neither one of us was really working on things so much anymore. So for so for about two years, you stayed within the relationship. Were you were you working on? Well, you said that neither one of you were really working on it. Were you just sort of hoping it would fix itself, or were you just sort of waiting for the inevitable to happen? Um, I think a little bit of both. Uh, naively, mm -hmm. um, I also around that time kind of started having um, some depression issues, and mm -hmm. I think I'd kind of blamed the relationship issues on me being depressed. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is, though, after I broke up with him, mm -hmm. my mental state has gotten remark, you know, markedly better. Yeah. So I think it was kind of the other way around. I, I just didn't realize or maybe I just didn't want to admit to myself just how unhappy I was. Um, mm -hmm. I think part of it's kind of that sunk cost fallacy where you're like, well, I've been in this relationship so long. You know, I, I don't know. Might as well stick it out, but yeah, but that's yeah. that's a terrible idea. Um, totally, and it's, but it's a common idea I think that women fall into is because you've invested. I think so. Yeah, for twelve years, I'm sure you've invested quite a bit of yourself in that relationship. How you know? How do you just kind of go? Ah, I'm going to cash net a loss. <laughs> Absolutely, and and you have mutual friends, and you've spent holidays with each other's families, and. Mm -hmm. It's it's definitely not not an easy thing to just walk away from. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, do you feel like the pandemic added some pressure for you to finally exit that relationship? Because now you're both sort of self isolated at home. There is no sort of escaping um, any sort of stress or pressure being at home with him. Now you're there with him all the time. Did the pandemic add to it? The pandemic was absolutely the final straw um, because back in mid-March, um, you know, everything here in Nevada shut down and that's when my employer sent us all home to work remote. Um, he was unemployed at the time, unrelated mm -hmm. to COVID, mm -hmm. but all of a sudden we're stuck in the house together 24-7. We didn't have any of our usual distractions like going out with friends, watching sports, anything like that. Like basically the few things that we really had in common anymore were suddenly gone. Mm -hmm. And we were just in each other's faces 24-7 with no distractions. Mm -hmm. And I found myself starting to feel really resentful and annoyed towards him um, because he was just sitting on his ass, not doing anything, not like really mm -hmm. seriously job hunting, not helping around the house while I'm mm -hmm. kind of busting my butt. And uh and those problems had been there for a while, but it was really just the final straw for me. Yeah. Yeah. The and, and it the made pandemic me kind of really realize, kind of have an epiphany one day that, you know what, there's really no attraction left here anymore. And there was really not much of an emotional connection anymore. So when you come to that conclusion, mm -hmm. what happens then? Do you, I don't know, did it feel like you were you know, splashing your face with cold water? Was there a certain shock when you came to that conclusion? Or were you at ease and at peace when you came to that conclusion? It was a mix of relief, because mm -hmm. I finally knew what I needed to do. Um, mm -hmm. At the same time, 
kind of anxiety inducing because, well, now I have to figure out how to do it um, mm-hmm. in the midst of a pandemic while he's unemployed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, I had wanted to hold out till he got back to work, but I realized that who knows how long this is going to take. And that's not, that was, would not have been the best thing to do, I think, for either of us. Had you chosen that, do you think it, it would have just driven you crazy? Like if you were oh. like, okay, I'm going to wait until everything's fine. And maybe that's not even till like January. I, <laughs> if I had attempted that, maybe we could have gone another month, but I, I think mm-hmm. I would have snapped by then. I think we would have been yeah. sniping at each other and, you know, picking arguments at that point. I mean, cause it was kind of getting to that point and um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it would have devolved pretty fast if, it, if we had tried to keep it going. It completely fucks with your mental state of being, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, okay, so, so then you get to the point where you come to the conclusion. Mm-hmm. I, I need to end this. I need to ask him to move out. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? Like, did you plot? Did you have a plan where you're like, okay, I'm going to talk to him on Friday night, and this is I, how I'm going to approach um, it? Well, I had, you know, I'd reached out to you and a few other people mm-hmm. just kind of for advice, but also I think maybe for validation a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my mind, I had planned out what I was going to say. Um, and I felt pretty comfortable with that. The challenge was how and when to bring it up. And I was at a mm-hmm. loss um, mm-hmm. as to how to do that. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was on Memorial Day, we had gone over to a friend's house Mm-hmm. And I think he could tell that something was up with me, that I wasn't quite, yeah, that I was distracted, that something was wrong. And on the way mm-hmm. home, he finally asked me, are you okay? And and I almost said, oh, yeah, 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 I'm fine. Um, and then I paused for a second because I, I didn't really want to do this while driving. Mm-hmm. But then I just realized, nope, this is probably it was probably the best, most organic way to do this. And I, and I responded Mm -hmm. and told him, no, I'm not okay. We're not okay. We haven't been okay for a long time. And I think you know that. And, uh, you know, and then we kind of talked a little bit after that as we drove home. Um, but that was it. How did he handle it? Did he just accept it or was there resistance? No, he actually seemed pretty resigned to it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, he really, he really didn't push back or anything. He just kind of seemed just kind of resigned. And I don't know Do if you, maybe he saw it coming and just didn't want mm-hmm. to admit it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to ask, do you think that maybe he was just waiting for you to do it? Like he had already maybe exited the relationship emotionally anyway or mentally, that he was just waiting for you to make that adult decision for both really of you all to like, physically. It really felt like over the last couple of years that we were kind of both in that state where Mm -hmm. I I don't believe either of us was really happy. I don't think he was happy either. And, Mm -hmm. but I I think it was almost like we were both waiting for the other one to say something to do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So no big blowout, which is nice. Mm -hmm. You know, it's always good that there's not some big blow up argument that ends everything. Um, It sounds like it ended pretty amicably or harmoniously, you know, and that there wasn't resistance or any fighting. Um, is he, is he completely moved out now? Pretty much. Um, he came back and he got about half of his crap out. Um, mm-hmm. he left a huge mess behind and I had to go through the house 
room by room and pack up the rest of his stuff. Um, but I also use the opportunity to go through and just purge the house of all the clutter and crap that had accumulated over the years. So it was, it was mm-hmm. actually kind of a, um, kind of a healing process really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then supposedly this weekend he's coming back to get the rest of his stuff. So I'm going to make myself scarce while he does that. Mm-hmm. It definitely is awkward, awkward when you have those meetups, you know, for him to get his stuff or in my case, it was for me to get my stuff from um, his place. Um, but when you guys do encounter one another, is everything like civil and good or are there like little bits of bitterness and maybe some like little stabs at each other? We really haven't talked since, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. just a couple of texts back and forth. Uh, like when he first came to get his stuff, I let him know, Hey, I'm going to be visiting my parents this week. If you want to come back and pack up your stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. that's just about it. We really haven't spoken or seen each other since. Do you think you'll continue to stay in touch and be friends? Or do you think that it's going to go to the way where you guys just never speak to each other again? I thought we could remain friendly, if not friends, at least friendly towards each other, at least to the Mm -hmm. point where if we were both invited to a party that we could say hi and be cordial to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, Then his uh, attorney friend reached out to me and let me know that he's trying to claim that he's owed some of the equity in my house, which, which legally is mine alone. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we lived in it together, but legally it was mine alone. Everything was in my name. Um, Mm -hmm. Ever since that, to be honest, I kind of never want to speak to him again. And I've only been communicating through his attorney. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of that kind of killed any chances of uh of this being a a friendly into things, I think. How are your family and friends handling it? Like at some point you had to go to tell your parents your friends, like how has everyone handled the news? The funny thing about that is he actually called my parents before I could. Wow. And I I think my dad had the most telling reaction of all. Um, His reaction was basically, yeah, I'm not surprised. And if you didn't see this coming, you're blind, Uh, which is funny to me because my parents live about a thousand miles away and we only saw them a couple Mm -hmm. times a year. And and apparently he saw it coming, um, apparently before I even did. Yeah. Parents and, are like um, that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, the friends I've, I've told my friends and everybody's been very supportive. Um, we had a lot of mutual friends who were people I met through him and they've mm-hmm. known him a very long time. I'm letting him tell the mutual friends. I, mm-hmm. You know, I think he has the claim to that. And so far, nobody's really said anything to me. It's just been kind of weird, but. Mm-hmm. they've all been cordial at least um, if not overly friendly. So, well, that's but, good. That's good. Yeah. It's just kind of like, but I always feel like there's just this elephant in the room. Like, okay, who's going to say something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he contacted your parents before you did? Did you, was that done out of malice or was no. he actually? No, I don't think so. That just seems like a bizarre move, you know? It just seems really weird to me that he would reach out to them first. I, I, maybe he really cares what they think of him. Is that it? 
shoot, I have no idea. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I don't believe it was malicious at all. No. Um, I just don't know. I, yeah. I was kind of shocked too. And my mom texted me, you know, call us tonight. I was like, oh shit, he told them. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Um, so do you have a support system though? I mean, obviously you have your parents, you know, do, or do you have other friends that you can turn to that you can lean on that you can vent to as you yeah. go through this? I do. Yeah, I do. I do definitely have a couple of, you know, a couple of my go-to girlfriends who I can reach out to and mm -hmm. talk about things I can't talk to my parents with. Um, mm -hmm. Aside from that though, I think, you know, my parents and I, I mean, we're fairly close. I think they're, mm -hmm. they're my biggest support system right now, even though they're a thousand miles away, they're yeah. extremely supportive and helpful. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good to hear. It's good just to have people in your corner, people who care about what you're going through. Absolutely. Uh, my parents, my parents completely stepped up to the plate when I got divorced too. And in a way that they had never really been there for me before, there was always some contention between me and my parents. Um, I think I pretty much held their divorce against them for so long, even in my adulthood, that when it came to have mine, my divorce, I mean, they really stepped up to the plate. And, you know, I ended up reestablishing a very close relationship with my father before he passed away. That And it was spurred by my divorce. And my mother and I have, you know, reestablished a new connection as well. So um, parents can be really amazing and surprising. And I love that your dad already knew that this was coming. That's just how parents are. It's amazing how they like um, have some sort of insight and knowledge. It's like I'm, I'm finally now at 48 accepting that my mother knows me better than I know myself. I'm kind of finally getting to that point too at 40 mm -hmm. myself um, because growing up, we always got along but we mm -hmm. never really talked about things. Mm -hmm. And it's only been kind of in more recent years that, that I think I've been able to open up to them more and, and realize that, oh yeah, they actually have some good advice to give or mm -hmm. if nothing else, they at least listen. Yeah. Yeah. And they love me no matter what, you know, no matter how badly I fuck up, they love me no matter what. That's like the best part, right? Like right. Uh, my mother knows that I'm totally whoring around, uh, <laughs> but she still loves me, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> and that's what's awesome is that you really learn, like, like you said, no matter how, you, how much you fuck up or how many breakups you go through or whatever, like your parents still love you. Oh my God. Like I'm like the family drunk. And before my dad died, he used to like joke about me being the family drunk and he, you know, didn't hold it against me. He didn't judge me for it. He didn't disown me. It was just oh, there's Laura drinking all that wine again, you know? Um, so yeah, parents can be like the most amazing supporters. And I'm so glad that you still have both of yours to, to be there for you as you go through all this. Yeah. And it's, it's great. And yeah, and that they're, they, they're supportive and everything. And, and I felt kind of crappy for a while because they've been married for over 50 years and here mm -hmm. I am half their age and I've already been married and divorced once and then in a long-term relationship and engaged and we were actually engaged though we never took mm -hmm. any steps towards actually getting married um mm -hmm. you know kind of feeling like the world's biggest fuck up because why can't I have what they have but but everybody's yeah. different and and mm -hmm. I think they realize that I'm not them I am my own person I, and I think we're mm -hmm. finally at a place in our lives where you know they can respect that and support me even if maybe they don't quite get it yeah yeah and like me, you're child-free too, correct? Correct. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that also adds a whole, a, a whole other element to how different we are from our parents. It's like, okay, not only could we not keep a marriage lasting, but, um, or our relationship lasting, but you know, oh, guess what? We don't want to have children either, you know? And, mm-hmm. and then for your parents to still accept you and love you for those kinds of things, when you're not giving them grandchildren again, you know, right. um, it, it, it just makes you cherish them that much more. Yeah. So as you're in now post breakup mode, what are your concerns? Do you have any concerns? Are you like, eh, I've, you know, like you said, you've been married, divorced before. Or are you like, eh, no big deal, breaking up again? Um, or do you have certain concerns? Because if it's a 12-year marriage, I can tell you being single nowadays is so different than it was 12 years ago. True. That is very true. Um, no, to be honest, though, I... No, because I feel like I'm just in a good place in my life. You know, mm-hmm. job-wise, I'm earning enough that I can have a comfortable life on my own. I don't have to worry about finances by myself or anything, uh, which mm-hmm. I know for a lot of women in particular, that's a huge concern. And mm-hmm. for me, when I when I got divorced years ago, when I was in my mm-hmm. 20s, that was a huge concern, but that's not really an issue now. And um, like I kind of mentioned before, I was just in such a just depressed, withdrawn place these last couple mm-hmm. of years. And that was just lifted. And um, mm-hmm. I honestly feel more optimistic and looking forward to the future than I have in a very long time. Oh, that is awesome. I love that. You just warms the cockles of my heart. That just, <laughs> you said I'm cockles. so excited for you. <laughs> I said cockles. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you follow me on social media and mm-hmm. I know that you see me bitch about men and um, dating. Yeah. So I'm glad I haven't, I'm glad I haven't scared you off or influenced you with my own cynicism and bitterness. So no, I, I, I really enjoy your stories, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I can tell you, I mean, I, I love that there's that there's dating and hookup apps out there now, because back when mm-hmm. I was last dating, um, there were websites, and mm-hmm. that was kind of finally mainstream, and that was actually how the ex and I met, was through a dating website, oh. but um, no, mm-hmm. I, I love that there's all these apps and everything out there now. Um, that being said, I have no plans to actually use them myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just me. <laughs> <But>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could eventually, but probably right now is not a good idea. I mean, one, it's probably too soon. But two, again, we're in a pandemic. Do you really want to like hook up with, you know, random strangers and possibly get infected? So yeah, uh, it's a good thing that maybe this is happening during a pandemic so that you have time to be self-isolated, stay home, not date and just focus on yourself. Exactly. And, and that's what I've been doing right now because I, I have so many hobbies and interests that had just kind of fallen by the wayside over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, I think just because of my kind of depressed mental state, I became very withdrawn. So I'm kind of focusing on also reconnecting with friends and kind of trying to improve friendships with people and, um, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and just work on myself in general. So what are you looking forward to? Like, are you looking forward, like you said, um, you've got certain hobbies and certain interests that you want to get back into again. Um, you looking? For, are you going to like redecorate your space? I mean, what are some of the things that you're excited about now that you've purged a relationship and you've purged a lot of crap that was in your home? I've also done a bit of redecorating. I'm not mm-hmm. going too crazy because... 
I'd been for a while. I'd been toying around with the idea of moving back up to the Pacific Northwest um, because that's oh. where I'm from originally. Um, it's where my parents mm-hmm. live, and they're in their seventies now. I'd like to be closer to them, and mm-hmm. I think now is probably kind of the perfect time, just financially, and you know, as far as um, having just unburdened all this baggage from my life and everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at early next year, probably about ninety nine percent sure I'm actually going to be moving out of state. Wow. So that's something super exciting to be looking forward to. I mean, you're starting a new chapter in your life. And now you're going to like, sort of add to that chapter by moving your life back to where you're originally from. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's been great. So have you been like, um, going back to like research the area, like, what neighborhoods you want to move in? Or do you want to buy a house there? I mean, what do you like sort of look and fantasize and visualize here's what my loop where my new life is going to be and here's what it's going to look like I have been uh, to some extent um, <laughs> if if you'll recall um, back in the beginning of June I was kind of freaking out a little bit because I went up to see my parents after the breakup mm-hmm. and I was also going to see a guy up in Seattle I hadn't seen in about 12 years uh-huh um who i've I've known him for a very very long time um mm-hmm. that visit went very well better than expected Ooh. Ooh. um and we've been talking a lot and i actually spent fourth of july weekend with him oh wow. um, so been talking a lot a lot of facetiming mm-hmm. and everything and um as uh, the coronavirus allows i think we're going to try and travel and see each other when we can and just kind of see where things go. I guess we're kind of doing a long distance thing for now. Um, So you're already dating. Kind of. Yeah. But the nice thing about it is I still have my freedom and space, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, to do all the the things I need to do here. But at the same time, it's kind of nice that I can, you know, call him up on FaceTime and kind of like flirt and be complimented and everything. It's, Kind of nice. It's nice to have that male attention, you know, when it's from a male that you want the attention from, you know, that is nice. Um, So if you haven't seen him or dated him or done anything with him in 12 years, how has he aged? When you saw him, were you like, oh my God, you're 12 years older? Were you like little hearts in your eyes, like the little emoji? I mean, like, what was that? (laughs) He's uh, still sexy as hell. Um, I mean, we've obviously both aged 12 years, um, Mm -hmm. but God, yeah, he's still, I mean, he looks different, but still the same as I remember in a lot of ways. Um, I was more worried about myself um, mm-hmm. just because of having, you know, I've put on a few pounds and everything and it uh, turns mm-hmm. out I needn't have worried about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> we never do. Men really are not that picky. I mean, there are douchebags in the world, of course, but yeah, I've dated a few part- of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they maybe preconditioned me to worry about, Oh God, my mm-hmm. belly isn't perfectly flat anymore. Yeah. And it jiggles when I walk and, yeah. Oh, is he going to be grossed out by that? And well, mm-hmm. no, no, he was too busy staring at my ass jiggle. Um, <laughs> and, and turned on by that. So yeah, he didn't notice or care. I think, you know, about the belly. I mean, 
I personally think that the best men are the ones who appreciate a good jiggle. Those are my favorite men, the men who love a jiggle. He, um, He's a very intelligent, very educated guy, and he uh, mm -hmm. actually described me as Rubenesque, and I was Ooh. extremely flattered by that comparison. It is very flattering. It's very, I mean, those women were uh, muses. They were like works of art. So that's totally flattering. I love that. Oh, I, I feel like you have so much to look forward to, that you're, you have so much excitement heading your way already. Um, boy, this breakup was like uh, an improvement in your life. It really was. It, it's, and it feels so cliche to say this, but it almost feels like a rebirth. Oh. You know, like I, like all mm -hmm. of a sudden I got my happiness back. My confidence mm -hmm. is coming back. I, I feel like I'm living rather than just kind of existing day to day and actually mm -hmm. looking forward to the future for the, the first time in a long time. Oh, that's so wonderful to hear. I totally relate to that because well, my marriage was 22 years. And I have been for the past, I don't know, eight months or so, been trying to reconnect and give you know have a rebirth of uh, the woman I was prior to um, getting married. And that woman was unfortunately only 19, 20, 21 years old. Um, so so very young and, and, and pretty immature. But that woman was also very confident, um, extremely bold. And um, just like strong as fuck, and just did and gave zero fucks. Um, and her, that woman, that young young woman, did not get her heart broken as easily as I've been getting my heart broken in these past couple years that I've been divorced. Um, so I'm trying to find that woman again. So I do totally relate to this idea of the rebirth, of finding that person that you were, and reconnecting to that person that you were prior to falling into a rut prior to, um, you know, getting depressed, getting into a, a relationship that's just basically wasn't bringing any sort of value or happiness to your life. So I'm really happy for you. And I'm really excited for you. And I can't wait you. to hear all the stories that you're going to have when when you do move and, and I, I, and I, you know, it will, it'll happen, things will come come down, calm down, you will be able to make that move. And you really are going to just have this great future ahead of you. I love it. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. I think so too. And I think it's, I, I think, you know, for women in general, I think it's, it's common to kind of fall into that rut because I think so often we kind of bear the emotional burden in relationships. And I think for women with children, multiply that by 10 times. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes just ending things can be just the absolute best possible thing. Yeah. You have an ending, but then you'll have a beginning as well. And That's the thing. It, it like doesn't feel like an ending so much as a new beginning, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's so amazing. Well, even though you have all of these exciting things to look forward to, mm -hmm. and I think you're off to a great start, do you have any questions for me as you are a newly single woman? I don't know questions so much. I think maybe my one area of possible concern is just um, – getting back in the saddle, so to speak, uh, when it comes to sex, mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. the last couple of years that X and I were together, I don't think we had sex at all. Not that I can remember. And it was oh, pretty yeah. infrequent before that mm -hmm. and not that great. Um, the last time I saw a Seattle guy, it was good. It was very good. Um, mm -hmm. But 
I feel like I'm kind of in place where I need to just kind of retrain myself, you know, not relearn, because I don't think you ever forget how to do that. But um. (laughs) (laughs) But like you said, get back in the saddle. Well, I mean, you and I did work at the sex toy company. Mm -hmm. So I think that gives us both an edge over the rest of the world. (laughs) I think so. Um. (laughs) Or at least be comfortable enough to talk about this kind of stuff. To talk, but then also to buy anything that you think you might need to help get you back in the saddle again. I, my, the best piece of advice I can give you for that is masturbation mm. and ex- experiment with masturbation, experiment with orgasms, especially since um, your current dating situation or getting to know this guy again situation is long distance. So you have your place to yourself. You should have plenty of time. That could be like a new hobby for you is masturbation. Um, but you, like you said, you're, you're giving birth again to this woman that you were before you're finding yourself again and a a part of that's going to be finding what you like sexually and what you don't like sexually which can change over the course of 12 years which like you said you're you're 40 now and you know 20 years ago even you know it's been completely different for you so I I would advise you to get to know your body again um play with different toys um maybe even read articles about masturbation and orgasms and um, just like get to know your sexuality again. And when you learn things about yourself, um, take note of it and share that with the with this other guy, with the, with your guy from the Pacific Northwest. And because he wants to know these things. He wants to know what you like and and he wants to please you. So the best thing to do that is to research yourself. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. Um because I think uh, maybe amongst the things I'd kind of lost over the years was just kind of being in touch with myself. I mean, literally. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So literally get back in touch with yourself. Um, pull out that mirror. Look at your pussy. And reform a relationship with her and get to know her all over again. And like I said, experiment with different toys, uh, different positions, uh, different types of orgasms. And just play, just play around and have fun with yourself and then share that information with him when you feel comfortable doing that, of course. Um, And, you know, give, give yourself the tools you need to know how to pleasure yourself, but then also share that information with him. So he has the tools he needs um, to pleasure you as well. So I would really start there. And I think also you're, you're off to a great start with um, understanding and already seeing that you don't have to have a perfect body to turn a sexy man on. I mean, look at how much he enjoyed you already, you know? And so and I think that's, that's another been thing. a huge is- confidence booster mm-hmm. because I've never had, even when I was 20, 30 pounds lighter, I just never had a very good body image for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now all of a sudden at 40 years old, about 20 pounds all overweight, I'm just like, kind of strutting around the house like yeah I'm a damn sexy Rubenesque bitch you know like oh, I love it I love it <laughs> I have been taking these online uh, burlesque dance classes with um, Cherry Boom Boom which is um, like a burlesque show here in Vegas and they also uh-huh. have one like in Hollywood in Santa Monica and so they've been doing these online classes because of COVID and um, and let me tell you that's been also a game changer for me too Ooh. Yeah, I should look into how- that. And I'm also interested because mm-hmm. I remember you posting um, online about your boudoir uh, photography session. That's something I oh girl changed my life. You got to book one of those with Stacy Frazier like that. I mean, talk about a confidence booster. Like I've got these titty pictures of myself on my bedroom <laughs> wall. 
that I look at every day and I'm like, that bitch is fine. So yeah, that'll make you feel really good about yourself too. So yeah, definitely think about doing those things that you need to do for yourself. You know, maybe even write down a list, you know, I need to masturbate. I need to take some sexy pictures, mm-hmm. I could take some burlesque dancing classes, like, you know, start like, you know, celebrate yourself. I think that's what's important. You need to celebrate Elizabeth Absolutely. and give her a little party. <laughs> yeah. Give her a party and lift her up. I'm, I'm so happy for you. I really think that you have, you know, set yourself on a course for success after a breakup, which is really good. Um, and I mean, I, I just wish you the best of luck. I hope you stay in touch with me and let me know what's going on in your life. Oh, absolutely. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much for being on, Elizabeth. I really appreciate it. And best of luck to you. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. And that brings us to the conclusion of episode 15, Breaking Up During a Pandemic. I hope you enjoyed Elizabeth's story or that you got something out of it. Um, Because in the end, there is some optimism to be had. There is some hope. I hope that if you're going through a breakup or divorce during this pandemic, or you've just gone uh, through that breakup or divorce, that you find your own sense of hope, your own sense of optimism, your own light at the end of your tunnel. And just know that I'm in your corner and I support you and I see you and I understand you. And I encourage you to uh, just keep going and to, you know, fight for that optimism and that hope and that light of the tunnel, you know, Um, that's what's going to get you through it. So I collectively give all of you a big hug. And just again, I'm sending my best wishes to all of you who are having to go through the stress. Please return next week. Uh, Now that we've discussed breaking up, we're going to talk about dating after a breakup or divorce and what that's like. Um, Already, you know, divorce or breakup is, is stressful. But then that first year that you're out on the dating scene, as you try to rediscover yourself as a single woman, because the woman that you are when you're married or in a serious long-term relationship, that's a very different woman than the woman you become when you have to be single again. So I bring back my friend Jody, and I urge you to go back to season one and listen to episode two. And that's that was Jody's episode. And she talked about her divorce. At that time, she was freshly going through it, filing the papers, all of that. Um, so it's a great interview, a great conversation about what it feels like to go through a divorce. Here it is a year later. So I bring Jody back. And now we're going to talk about what has dating been like for her. I discuss all the time on this podcast, on my social media, the fuckery of dating. So we're going to get really real about that. Um, I don't want my cynicism to rub off on anybody, but I, I need for you to be real about what you're getting yourself into as you hit that dating scene. Um, 
I believe that it's when you're prepared for things that you can handle the challenges so much better. And that's really what I want to do with this episode, um, next week's episode. Just prepare you for what that's like. So if you're, again, just going through a breakup, a divorce during the pandemic, now's the time to prepare for what it's like to date. So please come back next week and listen to Jody and I talk about dating after divorce. Until then, please visit my website, thereareknoniceguys.com and feel free to use that contact form. Give me some feedback on this podcast or if you have a suggestion or maybe you want to be on the podcast. So drop me a line, thereareknoniceguys.com. Thanks for listening. Break, 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 break.